Yeah, it's an interesting question. So one one of the things that we do know is well, when we are under pressure, we 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 are prone to this concept called cognitive tunneling, which is basically you know you you put your blinkers on so you you really focus on one. Um, and that's an evolutionary thing, which is really really helpful for because we can put all our mental horsepower to solving that problem. You know, I guess if you think about what if you get a you know one of the, the torches, the old torches, and you know you. You can do that with it and, and, and really get the focus of light really quite small and pinpoint. So that's a cognitive tunnel. Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favorite podcast app. Hello and welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. My name is Jack McLean. I'm your host and today my guest is David Joyce. Our key topic for today's chat will be all you need to know about performance mindset, whether you're a coach or an athlete. So I'm really looking forward to this chat. For those that are tuning in live as well, if you have any questions, feel free to hit us up in the chat and if we have some time at the end, we'll no doubt answer your questions. But thanks for jumping on, Dave. Hey, Jack. How are you? Yeah, I'm going well, mate. Yeah, thank you for, for jumping on. And for those that I'm sure most will be aware of your, your background, mate, but for those that aren't, do you mind providing a, a bit of a update on everything you've been doing recently, but also background in what you've done prior in terms of elite sport and, and everything in between? Yeah, sure. So I run a primarily sport but decision-making firm called synapsing and what we do is help organizations make better decisions effectively mm-hmm. most most of the work is in high performance sport both in australia and around the world now, big olympic committees institutes of sport clubs and and leaders um where that's probably about 50 percent of our work 60 percent of our work about 30 percent of our work is in the corporate sector um in strategy and decision making and about whatever the remainder is, 10, 15, yep. something like that is exec coaching. So of those exec coaching clients, probably half are in sport, like coaches in the NFL, in MLS and different sports, and half would be outside of sport, nothing to do with sports. So like, for example, I'm, I, I coach a, a lady who's got a, a chain of hairdressing salons in, in the U.S., so I think the thing that links all of that is is coaching and, and good decision-making. That probably goes back to everything that I've done in my career. You know, I, I trained initially as a physio and really liked that, loved the, the problem-solving bit of it and, and the diagnostics. I, w- I was never a great therapist, but I really liked the diagnostics and the, the clinical reasoning side of things. And then, and then sort of went from undergrad, was working post-grad, um, a master's in sports physio and then so I really liked that but saw it was an incomplete picture so I, that's when I did all my S&C stuff and, and then you know from there sort of built out that portfolio and was a performance director for probably 15 years before I, I did my MBA and, and, and started running my strategy firm so that's a bit of a cook's tour I suppose and it's, it's been lucky well, I've been really, really lucky, really fortunate. You know, what we do, I suppose, in sport is you get to work with some great people and some some really, you get to see some pretty cool sporting events in yeah. the flat from vantage points that not many people get to see. And, and it takes you around the world. I've been lucky enough to work 
a lot in Australia, a lot in the the UK, a lot in the US and and China. So I've been incredibly incredibly fortunate. Yeah, and on that, like, have been some strong influences or mentors, if you like, that helped sort of shape your your way of thinking. Even going back as a physio, but then going into S and C and then performance management. Yeah, I, I look. I think there's there's lots of people that you pick. Well, that I pick up lots of things from. I think as coaches, the best coaches I've always thought are thieves. They just take mm-hmm. from here and little bits from there, and then you start to build it into your own sort of mental model and, and framework and. So I've been heavily influenced by a, a lot of physios over the journey, starting with Craig Purdom and and some of those people, and even even before that, people that worked in hospital settings. And then from a an SNC perspective, I, I'd really picked up a lot of my SNC stuff when I was working in the UK. I worked with English Institute of Sport, working Premier League, and so a lot of the people that I was heavily involved with there were really instrumental in my, in my journey. And if I think about the person and the practitioner that i am today it's very heavily influenced by by those sorts of people like the 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 snc coaches that really understand performance dan lewenden springs to mind so he's someone that i've written my books with neil parsley and a lot of the american strength coaches as well i, I learned heaps from and then from there i guess i learned heaps from the head coaches as well about how to how to deal with with pressure like some of the head coaches that we that we're lucky enough to work with, Jack, deal with extraordinary pressure with extraordinary grace. And not not all of them do. A lot of them under enormous pressure and they, 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 they manage that really well. And the ability to go from, you know, a really hard emotional conversation here to a, a, a delicate conversation two seconds later is, yeah. is a skill that I've seen the absolute best head coaches do. That I try and incorporate, you know, both in my job now and and as as a parent as well. So I, it seems silly to name names, but I because I've just been influenced by so many people. I, I think Jack. Yeah, actually, it'd be good to go off topic a little bit there on that topic you mentioned there, managing pressure and 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 being able to adapt so quickly and be fluid with your conversations. What is something that you you feel? What are some traits that that help you allow to do that? Whether you're going from a yeah, challenging an emotional sort of com- open and honest conversation to then potentially maybe pumping something up, pumping someone up, you know, five minutes later and boosting their confidence. Yeah, it's a good question. I reckon, I reckon having a clear understanding of of what's important at that particular time. So the 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 best aiding to go right. Well, this context demands this from me, and that context requires that from me. So often, like it. You hear about this a lot with in job interviews. They'll, they'll say, oh, what's your leadership style? Or in, in podcasts, what's your leadership style? And I think the reality is the world's best leaders are adaptive and they're adaptive yeah. and adaptable to what's required by the people that they're leading and what's required in the context. So I, I think that's the skill is being able to do that, to be able to diagnose what is required at that moment in time. And then having a, a an array of tools in your toolkit to be able to go right. Well, I need to be bad cop here. Yeah. I need to, I need to be able to express myself in a way to get a reaction because that's what the system or the team. And then I need a, a completely different side of my personality to do something different. You know, and and having that awareness is really important. So I talk a lot about being able to to get down on the dance floor and be able to say right, what is it that's required and you know, when you're on the dance floor, you get the the sense of the pulse of the music. You know, the 
the sweat of the people around you, you know, where where the, the bartender is, all that sort of stuff. But you also have the really good leaders are able to get onto the balcony. And so it's metaphorically being able to to be able to think about the wider issues. So you lose a little bit of the granularity, but you can actually see much more like where all the the good people, the good dancers are, or the the good looking people, where which which bartenders throwing out free shots, where the where the if the bullet is the the smallest, all that sort of stuff. So you need that perspective, and the yeah. really the really really good ones are the the ones that are able to to get on the balcony, get down onto the dance floor, and then get back up. The ones that are not quite as good, and particularly the younger ones, like that are just learning their trade, tend to get stuck on the dance for a little bit too much right that's a great analogy i haven't heard that one before that makes sense yeah 100 and you get caught up in certain sections and sort of get stuck in those areas rather than being able to be across at all and yeah the, that, that, exactly so the job of the leader and sport that's the head coach or the, the high performance manager or whatever is being able to know what is required of the system at that time you know what your values are you know what's important for you now, what's important for yourself and those around you into the... And this skill of being able to diagnose is just so important. And do you think that the diagnosis, just like being, like you mentioned, that the problem solving and being able to diagnose, there's a fair bit of education, background knowledge that goes into that to be a physiotherapist with leadership. How, how do you feel like, what's the best way? Is it just a matter of getting experience and having mentors to lead on to ask, what could I have done here? And, and learning as you go, then your awareness builds or is it yes, more... But- yeah, so there's no doubt that experience is the key here. But that's not just to say you need 10 years. Yeah, actually, experience only counts if you reflect on the way you learn. And that's the way you go, well, this worked and this didn't. So I need to adapt that. Mm-hmm. You can only do that if you reflect. That's I, I think that's the key thing. It's not It's not just, you know, how many years you've done it, what, what's on your CV. It's, it's your skill in being able to stand the messages that the context is trying to teach you. And, and you might go on. Just to double click on that. So one of my favorite sayings is you, you can't read the label from inside the bottom. And I think this is where coaching of coaches, which is a huge area that I'm doing it, is so important, you know, and, and helping people reflect upon their own practice and what worked and what didn't and what needs to change and, uh, and those sorts of things. It's why, it's why I coach. It's why I get too often. We, we, we accept the cup. We accept that athletes need coaching, right? There's no one really that would say that they don't. So when Nick Kyrgios said he wasn't coaching, he didn't have a coach for a while, everyone goes, are are you mad? That's why coaching of coaches is is so important, coaching of of anyone, and having met and those sorts of things because they're the people that can help you reflect. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned head coaches learning on how well they deal with pressure. I imagine pressure can influence your ability to be too, whether you're being too granular and getting stuck in the the nuance level and having being able to have that perspective like how, how do you develop yeah your coping strategies do you think to to yeah, handle pressure and be able to yeah be able to you know not get too stuck in the ground yeah. i mean it's, yeah it's an interesting question so one one of the things that we do know is well, when we are under pressure we 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 are prone to this concept called cognitive tunneling which is basically you know you, you put your blinkers on so you you really focus on one particular thing and that's that's an evolutionary thing, which is really, really helpful for because we can put all our mental horsepower to solving that problem. You know, I guess that if you think about what, if you get a, 
you know one of the, the torches the old torches and you know you you can you can do that with it and 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 really get the focus of light really quite small and pin so that's cognitive tunneling so it really illuminates one small bit but you miss the co- the the peripheral light that gets when you span things so you know that and that's what happens under pressure is we go into this cognitive tunnel and we lose our ability to to see some of the peripheral things what a bit blinded i've got a, a friend who does a lot of work with scanning and in, in footballers and if you look at the world's best footballers whether you're thinking about Lionel messi or wayne gretzky in in ice hockey or what you know lebron or you know any number of afl footballers it's the ones that can see things in their periphery by getting to like that that really n- narrow tunnel and that's effectively what we need to develop as leaders as well is the ability to go right well i'm focusing on one thing which is right at this moment but i also need to be able to gather the ability to step back and go what matters in the larger picture and that's that balcony view thanks for that. another great analogy as well from like and the, the, i'm sure the listeners are, are appreciating and it resonates well going back to your own career mate some some challenges that you've faced over your career and what did you learn from facing those challenges or how did you grow either from a professional point of view or, or personal well i guess there's there's no end of challenges in in anything that that we do um you know, and that they some of them are quite obvious challenges. You know, like you, you've gone on a, a losing spell, and you're trying to dig deep into what the problem is, or you've got a, a recurrent play with a recurrent calf strain, and all those sorts of things. And you, I think you, you learn quite a bit about how you can lean on other people. So initially, I think probably what I did for the first maybe half of my time in elite sport was try and rely on work ethic and try and rely on me solving all the problems. Um, I, I, I don't do that anywhere near as much now because I, I recognise that having a diversity of, of input is, is really helpful. And then, then there are other things as well, like, so when I was working in China, I was across so many different sports, like 15 different sports or something, and I I can get by in a Chinese restaurant in Mandarin and that's about it. So you have to rely on other people when you... you, you you get really good at understanding what good coaching is because it's not everything that you say. It's using other subtle techniques. So that that you know that those challenges that were put in front of me were really helpful. And and you know me being thrust into dealing with Chinese dieting or Chinese table tennis, you know, two of the world's most dominant teams. How you gather trust and how you get influence is you know I learned heaps about that, which is effectively it's a social. Thing. You know, you've got to be. You've got to show that you're making someone's life easier, making them look better, and you gather influence that way through narrative and stories and those sorts of things, rather than just based on facts. I think for the first half of my career, I was very much based on facts, Jack. Like you've got to do this because. Yeah. It's very intent on teaching, which is a bit of an arrogant way to. I think I've learned over the journey that actually you get a lot more influence if you listen. For sharing that and and when you when you reflect on on that aspect that you know by asking more questions listening what does that influence the relationship that you have with the athlete is or do you find that, that it's a performance thing like how do you go about finding the, the difference between those two approaches in from an effective point of view or is it just easier for you yeah for yourself in that sense because of the the responsibility so, you much on your shoulders with that yeah 
answer what I think you're asking. And then if I don't answer it properly, maybe you ask me again. But I, I, I think when you ask questions and when you show a genuine interest in the other person and what makes them tick and what, what their motivations are, what their insecurities are, they, they buy in with more trust. And trust is the currency that makes performance work. <laughs> I, I think if you go to any low-performing environment, trust is always the number one thing that is lost. Always. Nice. Trust between the coaches and the physios, trust between the physios and the S&C coaches, trust between the S&C coaches and the nutritionist, all that sort of There's a trust issue. And the only way to really gather trust, well, the best way to gather trust is by understanding the world through someone else's eyes. And the only way you can do that is by asking questions. Um, now that answers it. I mean, if, if yeah. it got down it got down just to telling people, if it got down to education, like we often we often lean on education as being, oh, they, they don't do their, you know, input their wellness, we need to educate them more. Trust me, Jack, if it was always about education, we would all be billionaires, we'd all have six-pack ads and no one would smoke. That'd be too easy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not about education. Some, sometimes it is, but it's not exclusively. Yep. I think some as performance professionals, we lean too heavily on that rather than a bit more in the sophisticated what makes someone else t- And that and sort of feeds into bit having the greater influence. Is that oh, that yeah. trust aspect? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you lose trust, you've got no influence. Yeah. Uh, well, you've got very little anyway. You, you might get compliant, but you won't get people doing doing it, going the extra yards because they want to do it. They do it out of yeah. And that's a, that's a short-term strategy. And, and going on the flip side, moments throughout your career that you're, you're most proud of or, or highlights that spring front of mind? Look, I, I've been so lucky. I get I get to see so many things that, you know, you're really proud of. You know, we, we, you're proud of the the young people that you work with that progress. And, and I remember one time when I was working in the Premier League and the, the manager, so the head coach said to me, you know, what do you do? And I thought it was a really odd question, Jack, because he was the one that recruited me. And I said, oh, you know, work with the team that gets the athletes fitter, faster, stronger, we come from injury and stuff. He goes, no, no, what do you do? And I said, oh, you know, I started explaining that hamstrings and ankles and squat technique. And he goes, no, 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 no. What do you do? And I, and I said, oh, mate, I don't, I don't understand your question. And he said, never forget your job is the same as mine. Your job is to make the dreams of young men come true. And it was the first time that I'd sort of really elevated my thinking to go, right, well, this is an actual purpose. I was down on the granular dance floor level, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it's a long way of answering a question, but a- any time where you're part of someone's dream coming true, whether that is making their debut, you know, playing in a grand final, winning a gold medal, they're, I-, I, don't, I don't rank one better than another because... In every case, you're making someone's childhood dream come true. Yeah, and then from a from a a personal satisfaction pers- perspective, I actually get a real thrill when the people that have been that I've employed, my staff, have gone on to run their own programs and gone on to get good jobs outside of of where I'm working. I'm, I'm genuinely really, really, really proud of that. So that the people that you that you lead and you mentor when they get success. I, I get I get a real thrill out of that. You know, one of my really good friends, Dan Lowenden, is now the 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 director of performance and city football group. So all of 
all of Manchester City and New York City and Melbourne City. And so I'm, I was when he got that job, I was just wrapped for it. Lockie Wilmot and his success that he's had, wrapped for it. Andrew Barton is at Cleveland Guardians. All these people that you just I get a real, I get a real kick out of seeing the people that I I love do well. And as I reflect on it now, Jack, since you've asked me that question, I reckon that supersedes pretty much anything that I've been a part of on that, you know, winning grand finals and you know those sorts of things. I reckon. Yeah. Wow. And is that something that like you're aware of going into leadership positions that yeah you, your passion to help yeah no matter who you help working with to to realise their dreams whether it be someone that wants to be a high performance manager or someone that yeah wants to debut or is that something that from the thick staff perspective that sort of eventuated once people that you employed started to get those opportunities you realise how rewarding that was because you're helping their development yeah I think it's probably both isn't it like oh, all the way through you, you you're trying to get people to uncover the greatness in themselves. So I think I initially thought that my mission was to make other people great and then I realised actually that's a really arrogant way of doing it because I can't make anyone great. All I can do is help them uncover who they are in themselves. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, you know, like there's, it's probably apocryphal, fictitious, but I, I like the concept of it. I remember hearing one time that Michelangelo was asked, you know, about the statue David about, you know, how do you create it? It's amazing. It's in a masterpiece and that sort of stuff. And he was and he was asked, you know, how do you how do you create the statue of David? And he allegedly said, Oh, it's easy. You've just got to chip away at all the things that's not David. And I, I just like I like the the thought of good coaching is chipping away at things that are holding people back. So they can uncover yeah. That's that's what I reckon. You know, yeah, yeah. helping them uncover their greatness and when, when you do that, and it might be something really little, although they're achieving a dream or coming back from an ACL rehab and playing for the first time, oh, that stuff's really rewarding. Fills my cup anyway. Yeah. No, well said, mate, and, and thank you for sharing that insight. We better move on to the topic. We've probably touched on it a fair bit anyway. You can tell it's a passion of yours, but performance mindset, we'll start with a pretty open-ended question. Do you think it's largely inbuilt or something that can be developed, whether it be from a <laughs> coach perspective or, or athlete? It's absolutely developable. Absolutely developable. Some people, some people have got a probably a natural proclivity towards it. You know, it might have been role modeled when they were kids, or you know, whatever it is. You know, some people seem to be more adept at it. But even people that are not that that you know that struggle in this regard can absolutely train it without question. Just had someone who's listening in, Natasha. Give you a bit of a pump up. So inspiring, David. I love the humility and covering someone's greatness. <laughs> Touch, thanks. And then from common challenges point of view, what are some some solutions do you think? So what are some common challenges that, that developing athletes or even maturing athletes face when it comes to a, you know, developing a performance mindset and a consistent one? And yeah, what are some solutions that you've found have been quite effective? Yeah, and look, I, I reckon having a really clear understanding of why you're doing something is really important, like a bit of purpose and, and mission, because that's the thing that grounds you. That's that's like your Southern Cross or your Northern, that even when things are going pear-shaped, that that will hold your focus. It's really easy to get into a bit of a spiral and go, oh, shit, it's not working or whatever it is. But if you can maintain your focus on you know this positive outcome, this North Star, the Southern Cross, whatever it is, your purpose of why you're doing something, that helps you and it's so much stronger 
that and relying on motivation. So when we when we coach motivation, I, I so I don't really agree with it. I think it's very short term, and you know it's it, it's the reason why people don't really stick to New Year's resolutions is because they're relying on motivation. It's fade down by January. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you you you're much better relying on on identity and purpose that because that stuff is forever. So I think I think that's that's the most important meta skill that you can have. And then there's a case of you know there are some cognitive skills that you can develop. You know about how to how to flush things when it don't go when they don't go well. How to solve conflicts. I mean, it's the reason why. So I I do quite a bit of work with a, a mental performance company called Optimize, and what we're doing is you know calm and head. Yeah. We're doing yeah. we're doing that, but it's much more mental performance. You know, so using tech to to deliver mental performance to athletes all around the world because we're passionate about this space. You know, how do we get a 14-year-old tennis player or a 22-year-old academy soccer player or whatever it is to be the best version of themselves? And we wouldn't do this if we didn't know that it was coachable. Yep. And, and, it, and it absolutely is coachable. So, so there are some cognitive skills about, as I say, confidence and um, motivation and, and flushing flushing poor performances and and banishing negative self-talk, all that sort of stuff. But the underpinning thing is is actually really understanding why you're doing something in the first place because that's the thing they'll keep giving you fuel even when you think you've got nothing. And you, you mentioned a great story with the English Premier League coach that gave you that insight and, and helped you find your purpose in terms of you know helping athletes find their dream and realize their dream uncover their greatness how do you go about athletes is it a matter of you know helping especially if they're a bit younger diving a bit deeper and rather than surface level and understanding their purpose of why they play for those athletes listening in what are sort of some i guess scenarios that you found or questions that you asked to help them uncover that if they're struggling yeah. to find it yeah so, so some people and like a lot of young athletes and whether they're athletes or I, I do a bit of work in ballet and the like. There are some people that do it for themselves, and then there are some people that that are doing it for their parents, or you know that that they're really motivated by not letting people down, all those sorts of things. So that's that's a bit of an unhealthy way of thinking about it, and and not not productive fuel for a for a sustainable career. So the work I do with them is often around how do you. How do you develop an intrinsic purpose, something which is going to sustain you for a, for a long period of time? And usually that's about having fun or, or discovering what you could do or learning new things. And, and you just kind of, over time, you know, some athletes will let you in quite quickly and some will take a long time. you just got to gain that trust. There's that word again. And, and get them to share stories about what really animates them. And you'll not. Like you, you know yourself. Like you're an expert strength coach. You you will hear the enthusiasm in their voice when they're talking about something that's really important to them. Yeah, their eyes light up, and and yeah, exactly. That yeah. makes their heart their heart skip a beat. All those sorts of things. That's what really animates. And that's a that's an in, that's an absolute insight into their soul about what drives them, what's their passion, what's their purpose. And then from there, it's about trying to bring that into relevance with things that you're trying to do. Like what why does what is you know, putting more weight on the bar when you're doing a squat 
or why does having good technique when you're doing a deadlift help? So you can mm. talk back in terms of rate of force development and Newton's laws and all that sort of stuff, or you can directly tie it to performance and purpose. I know if I'm an athlete, which one is going to be more powerful? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and from a cognitive skills point of view, you touched on some some big things there in terms of confidence and and the importance of reflection, which has popped up a few times. Had I imagine it's a bit of a balancing act, but if you've had a bad performance, it must be an element of I guess learning from it and reflecting on that, but then also compartmentalizing and moving on to the next performance, especially if it's a week by week situation. So what is it? What is it? Is it a time thing that you sort of have a, a weekly routine and by a certain day you, you need to start to move on and, and start building your confidence or is it more just a process and not so much time but more criteria that you recommend? Yeah, like, look, typically, but so I'm a believer that um, things don't lead us until they've stopped teaching us what they need to teach us. Yeah, uh, love that. So but that's why we tend to ruminate on but at some point, rumination stops being helpful mm-hmm. and, and, and just becomes that terrible song that's going inside your head. And at some point, you need to be able to flush that and move forward into something, which is why having that purpose is really important because that's the purpose is the thing that takes you into the future of dwelling on something in the past. Now, confidence is one of the great overrated words in, in mental performance, in my belief. Um, and so uh, we don't tend to focus too much on that, even though people come to us looking for confidence. You know, it's in in my belief, it's it's much more about competence. Confidence is just something that happens in the rearview mirror. Competence is something; it's part of your process. You can develop your competency, and then confidence is sort of a a byproduct of that. Once you're competent yeah. at something, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So you become confident because you're competent. Yeah. It's probably similar with the motivation aspect. Yeah, Once yeah. Exactly. You're going to be motivated. You tend to be. The, the, yeah. I mean, the, the difference with motivation is that it comes and goes, and if you just wait to be motivated, you'll, mm. you'll, you tend to only do things when it suits, or at least it's much harder to do things when it doesn't suit. If it's your identity, you do it because that's just who you are. Yeah. And with confidence and competence, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how many times people tell you how good you are. Your brain will know if you're competent at something. <laughs> and you, you can't cheat that. Yeah. So, so building up, building up your competence in things and trialing it under pressure and, and new ways and being able to to build on things that you've done well and and improve things that you've done poorly. That's what gives you confidence because you've become more competent. Makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned uh, confidence can can be perhaps a bit of an overhype or overrated at times when it comes to performance mindset. Are there other misconceptions that you find generally people come in and, and they're seeking a problem when really maybe it might be something different? Oh, look, I, it's funny. Like, I actually think that confidence is probably the big one. Like people yeah. come in saying, I'm down on confidence. But but usually there is something, there, there'll be a competence aspect to it that you just need uh-huh. to unlock. Then, you know, you, you, you work from them. Like, whether it's a, a batter not, not getting their front foot out of the way or, or whatever it is, that, that there'll be a competence aspect to it. Because you're not competent in it, you keep getting bowled out around your legs or you know missing set shots or missing free throws or whatever because there'll be a competence. You just fix yeah, mm. it's actually right, and just fix it. Um, the confidence the confidence is that... Yeah, that will come. It's not the thing yeah. to... Yeah, focus on yeah, the yeah. areas, your competency. 
Yeah, so so confidence is yeah. If people pursue confidence, they 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 do that by building up things and all that sort of stuff. But it ne- it, it never works because you've not done the the foundational work. If those jokers still bowl you out and haven't worked on you, oh, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Doesn't matter how good tells you you are. If if you keep getting bowled, um, you know because you're incompetent at placing yorkers, then your confidence has got no chance of being elevated. And you mentioned the importance of awareness for those that perhaps haven't done some work in this space and just are lacking some awareness. What would be some common things from a competency point of view where it is a mindset thing, whether it be concentration, focus, their mental preparation for a game, inconsistent performances, whatever it might be. What are some common problems, I guess, that you see when where it's a glaring, the competency isn't the physical, but it is psychological or, or their mindset. For those that aren't aware yet, what are some some questions you can ask or, or perhaps some some insight into knowing, okay, that's something I, that resonates with me that I need to work on? Yeah. So often, often it'll be some sort of routine issue. Like, let's just say someone's missing set shots or free throws, something like that. I mean, their confidence is down. You see this every week in the AFL and, you know, NBA and all those sorts of things. They always talk about the confidence being down. Um, but often there, there won't be an actual routine that they go through or a competent mm. routine that they... So I'll just ask questions about, like, what are, what are you doing? What's what's the script you're telling yourself? And it might be that they're telling yourself, don't do this. Now, don't, don't kick it left, don't kick it left. But, you know, whatever it is, that there'll be some sort of script that they're running in there and, and you just need to reframe that. And it sounds easy when you just say it, but... You know, I, I tend to always frame things in the positive. Now, I, I mean, it sounds like I'm a, a psychologist and I'm not a psychologist at all. I've just worked with a whole heap of psychologists and I've learned a lot. The great ones will will, will frame things in the positive and, and get a get a script and a routine going so that they, they've got something to rely upon. You know, so if you think about what David Warner David Warner does when he's on when he's batting or right on the dial does what when when he's playing tennis they've got a script that they follow nadal you know wipes his forehead about 12 times you know places the bottle here taps his shoe with his racket four times all these sorts of things that's all routine that's getting him on the tram tracks so he's not frustrated about or you know preoccupied with the other things that are trying to derail him Mm. One is the same. Smith, Labuschagne, they're all the same. They've got it. Yeah. They've got like, people that are not performing up to their level, more than the level they could, are just missing that bit. And that would go, that would transfer, I imagine, to anything where you're looking for ultimate optimal performance. Oh, routine. So, oh I, I, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I work with surgeons, it's exactly the same. I work with CEOs, it's exactly the same. I work in ballet, it's exactly the same. I work in sports, it's exactly the same. You probably don't want your surgeon making a mistake on you, so there'd, there'd have to be a, a strong routine there. <laughs> yeah, have to, yeah. So, so I think this is the really interesting bit about performance is because sometimes in our world we think performance is sport. Mm. It's everywhere. Oh, it's just one part of absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and what about from a staff perspective, what what have what have you found have been some effective routines, whether it be an important presentation coming up or perhaps engaging a, a new group of athletes, a new team that you're working under? How do you sort of get yourself in in that collective mindset where you know it's been maybe it's been a long day and then you've got to present at the end of the day or whatever it might be, those moments where you need to reset and regather yourself? Is it pen and paper? Is it just getting 
go for a walk? What would it mean some effective sort of routines that you found? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It sounds like there's a there's a bit of a pain point for you there, Jacko. So look at again. I mean, it sounds sounds silly, but it gets down to understanding what purpose is and and having that front and center. And then for me, I find it really important. Like before we got on air here, um, mm. I, I made sure because I, I I want to be able to articulate myself well and and all these sorts of things. So I made sure that I wasn't rushing from a, a, a call just before. I put a bit of white space in my calendar so I was able to go for a walk. I was able to, you know, sort of conceptualise the sorts of things that I thought that maybe I would get asked and, and, and be able to prepare. For. And then just go, right, well, what is it that I want to get across? So what's what are the key messages? Just sort of remind myself of that and then go, look, I, I just got to do my best, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what it is. So it's, it's, about, it's about purpose, it's about wanting to give service. It's about knowing that you're prepared as much as you can. And then that having... Quite clear. After that routine, you're pretty clear. Oh, I, look, I think so. You can't control everything, but I can control for the way I, the way I turn up. Good. And the way I want to turn up is as someone that's calm and clear and concise. And so I just sort of re- remind my myself of the, those three Cs of a, Deep breath and then and then go in. But it's all it's not about me being confident that I'm gonna do a really good job on your podcast, Jack, which actually means a lot to me. It's about me being competent to be able mm. to do takeaway, hopefully, for the for the listeners and now it has been for me. Is there anything that we haven't touched on in this space, performance mindset, Dave, that you think would be important to, to elaborate before we start to wrap it up? I'm mindful of the time and nearly get into an hour. <laughs> yeah, look, um, oh, look there's there's a million things that we can talk about, Jack, but I, I find if you can if you conceptualize the fact that mental performance is absolutely trainable and and coachable and it's coachable for yourself it's coachable in others and that's a big part of what we try and do then as soon as soon as you you conceptualize that it can change with good practice then then you're off to the races i think so I don't want to muddy the waters too much by giving too many messages. I think that's probably the most important one. Yeah, so that empowers everyone listening as well. That it's something that you can work on, just like your, your skills, your physical strength, speed, power. It just takes practice and, and probably helps to have an experienced mentor in your corner by the sounds of it to give oh, you no, feedback. Think, yeah. yeah, I think so. It's 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 a bit like juggling. You've just got to practice and you've got to drop a lot of balls, but then you, you start to get better at it. Jump back on the horse. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> Last few questions, mate. More, more on the um, apples, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. No, they're good. That definitely helps you, yeah, attain the information and and remember it as well. So, I no, appreciate those. Moving into the sort of the personal side, mate. In your work life, do you have pet peeves? Anything that sort of fires you up? Mm-hmm. Industry thing or athletes not putting their weights away? To I'm I'm pretty relaxed about things. I oh, like I I really like an attention to detail. Like I. I think that's really important, and and I'm I'm really inspired by people that are always looking to to attain mastery in no matter what it is. So I I've, I find that sloppiness is is something that irritates me a little bit, and 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 also people that don't see the bigger picture. Like you may have seen this yourself, athletes that that you know don't want to go and do a community visit or or things like that, and not stopping to think that. Actually, can change can change the course of someone's life by doing that. Like going to the hospital, yeah. 
or you know going to the park for a kick around with with some local kids or something. I don't know about you, but like that's one of my favourite sporting memories was you know going to see going to see some footballers and so I was Matt Essendon supporter and you know when when Essendon player spoke to me like it just it lights up your world and so I, I get I get a bit frustrated when people get a bit entitled about that. Yep. You know, and that happens to all of us, but I think people just need a bit of reminding sometimes. But I, I'm not, other than that, Jack, look, to be honest, I've got a bit of a policy in my own mind that if I'm not going to, if I think I'm not going to worry about it in five years, I don't worry about it in five minutes. Like that one. We'll be stealing that. As you said, the best SNC is a, a, a thief. So <laughs> good one. And uh, what about your favourite way to spend a day off? Sounds like with all the travel that they're. Yeah. I'm. I love hanging out with my kids and my wife, so that's I really like who I live with, and I love training. So going out for doing doing adventure stuff is is really important to me. So I want I want our kids to be adventurous. So I like I like role modelling those sorts of things, and we'll try and stop what I'm more good at, which is most things. So <laughs> so yeah, it's stuff stuff that's different. I I really enjoy stuff that's different and stuff and doing stuff that I'm not good at. And then from a, a, I guess we're in, what are we, March 2023, so there's no doubt some exciting things with synapsing, but also from a personal point of view for the rest of the year, what are you most excited about for, for what's on the horizon for 2023? Hmm. So, Optimize, our, our mental performance will go live in the next probably March. Okay. So, is that like in a sort of beta stage at the moment, yeah, yeah, or, so yeah, you know, it's available for download on App Store, Android Store at the moment. We're just sorting out some bugs. We've got some some really big organisations in the states that are that are, that are signed up, which is super exciting. Um, I'm over yeah. there in the next couple of weeks to to get some more across the line. So, like that's that's something that I'm really really looking forward to. Yeah, look, I th- from a from a professional perspective, that's. That's that's a big one for me. Yeah, how long has that been in the works to well, publish? Been, yeah, we've been working on this for uh, two years. That the, the yeah, wow. Yeah, the founder is a former professional cricketer, mad mad demon supporter. You'd be pleased to know. Yeah, and yeah, so we've 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 been we've built this from from scratch, and yeah, so we're really looking forward to to seeing seeing it work. Awesome. Yeah. Well, for those listening in that might be driving, listening to the recording. And uh, we'll, we'll add the link in the show notes. So it's about a month away, is it, from releasing yeah. the podcast will be released in three weeks. So I'll yeah, update I'd... show notes. Yeah, yeah. So optimizemindperformance.com. Yep. So um, yeah, we're 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 really looking forward to to seeing how that goes and what we what we can learn from it and, and how we can iterate it and make it better and a, a real service for athletes all around the world. Yeah. And so what will be how will that sort of work for for athletes that are downloading the app is that a membership setup is it listening to presentations or yes. yeah so it's they'll they'll just be a, a subscription it's it's a bit like Carmen headspace as i said except we've got world's best sports psychologists and mental skills coaches giving lessons on some of the things that you need to deal with as as an athlete which you know some of them the, the foundational things like confidence that we've talked about and how we reframe that and and resilience and some of these concepts and then some really tactical things so in the in the tennis stream there'll be something about walking out onto center's court if there's in the basketball stream there'll be you've just missed your first three throw you know all all sorts of tactical things yeah and 
there'll be some some human specific things, a bit like you know you've just been deselected, or you know you've just had a big injury or an injury recurrence, things that we all deal with. Those are the things that the sports psychologists from around the world speak to their athletes all the time about. But we know that the the sports psychologist from the LA Lakers is not going to be able to speak to Sally from Olanaho or Billy from Sunbury or, or wherever. Yeah. So we want to be able to give that access to 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 athletes all around the world, which is yeah, what a resource. That's yeah, yeah, it's it's really exciting, Jack. Really, really exciting, and the content's like unbelievable and. We're looking forward to seeing how well it works. Yeah, so am I, mate. And yeah, we'll definitely help promote it once it's launched and, and add it into the links. No doubt the listeners that are listening in to your, to your talk will be pretty excited about getting that app and, and, and giving it a go. So yeah, thank you for your time. Dave, really appreciate it coming on, sharing with us not only your background, but also some story and how effective it can be when you're working on, like you mentioned, it's definitely something you can work on your, your mindset. So yeah, really appreciate you coming on and, and helping developing footballers, but also no doubt high performance staff and medical staff with yeah, preparing to be their best and uncovering their uh, greatness. <laughs> so thank you. No, I really enjoyed the track the chat. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, guys. And thank you for everyone tuning in. If you tuned in halfway through, this will live on our YouTube channel. So make sure to listen to the very start. And there was gems dropped all the way through. And we'll post it on our podcast, Spotify iTunes, in the next three weeks. Our next live chat is actually tomorrow with Cullen Ball. At, so that'll be Friday the 3rd of March at 4pm Australian Eastern Time. So I'll see you guys then. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian from Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, game changes, whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes. And you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the friendly conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome Rama to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So. I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful. Plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my my question to you was: you spoke quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know 
or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it, yeah, certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is, is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just to, be, to say what I'm grateful for, sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's you're having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that, in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's, that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm -hmm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then. And, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things. And, um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.